What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in once again to the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. This is Chris Kane, as you already know. Thank you guys for listening. Um, it's been a week and a half, almost two weeks since the last podcast, and since I last spoke to you guys, I had a birthday. Woo! That was me giving myself some some love because there's no one else in the room. Um, if you follow me on social media, you know that for my birthday, I had a comedy show. And this is the first show I've ever done in Los Angeles where I got to produce it. And one, it, it was it's fortuitous how things kind of work out. I think it's, it's definitely a blessing. Let's just start there. I'm blessed to have the resources available to me to do what ended up happening. But um, originally, I thought that if we got 50 people to show up, that would be cool. Then I said, okay, maximum we'll get like 75 people to show up for a comedy show. And I had pretty much everyone on the show I knew from Miami except uh, one guy, or two guys. But the show was mostly people I've known for at least five years. So it was a very familiar show, talent I know about, people who you know mess with me for a long time. And we ended up having almost 100 people show up to the show, pay for tickets, Bought food, bought drinks, stayed, had a great time. Um, the location of the show was a little bit averse to even having comedy because they usually do like concerts and little like like jazz and like and that kind of thing. So they didn't believe they could have comedy there and it would be liked or accepted. My belief is that everyone wants to laugh. Everybody is going through stuff and look a little laughter to get you through some stuff. So. My selling point to him was, people like to laugh. We just got to tell them where to find it. And as this, this, the room filled up and people were there, like it was at a moment to kind of sit back and reflect on the room and watch everything. And as I've, I think I mentioned to you guys before, I've thrown shows before where there was so much anxiety attached to it. You know, making sure the talent is where it needs to be, if the mic's working. Um, People late calling, texting, hey, I can't make it, all that, all that stuff. And I don't have like a second in command to like pass things off to. So everything begins and ends with me, which is awesome when things are cool. It sucks a lot when things are not. So usually during a show, I'm like all over the place. Like I don't eat out and drink. I'm just like kind of spazzing out. And then when the night's over, I kind of sit back in like, oh, that was, that was dope, man. Like it's kind of one of those moments that this show I made sure to find moments to just kind of stand back and just kind of watch it. I took pictures of the the room and like let the comedians do their thing. I let some people run their time a little bit because they were in a good rhythm. It was just a really great experience. It it ended up being better than I would have expected. Like, you know, I dream about everything before it happens. That's the visualization thing that you probably read or seen or even do yourself. And so I'll visualize me being on stage how the crowd looks, how many people are there, what they say afterwards. And it's more just putting it out there, putting the energy out into the world and then kind of letting it do what it does. And as I looked at the room, there were more people there, people who said, well, I'll try to show up, which in LA means I'm not coming. <laughs> oh, you have some, I'll, I'll, I'll try to come through. Nah, I couldn't make it. That's kind of that's what the game is. The fact that most of the people who said, I'll try to come through, actually ended up coming through was like, wow, that's that's awesome, man. And we got my boy Tank to go up there and perform. I think this is his first like comedy only set. 
you know, he's R&B dude. He's always singing and taking his shirt off. I don't know how. His shirts are tearaways, all of them. But he actually kept his clothes on, for one. And then he just stood up there and told jokes. And he was funny. I told him he would be funny. I've seen him before. I said, dude, you're funny. Come through and do some time. He showed up on time. He did his time on stage. He was cordial with people afterwards. He took pictures. Like, all that good stuff, man. And that was amazing for the credibility of the show because aside from that no one really knew who the rest of us were they were just there to support and then you know his name added some cachet to what the show was so my original goal was to throw a show get some buzz behind it and then hopefully get the green light to do future shows and two days after the first show i got the phone call saying if y'all want to do a show next month um, as long as you can keep, you know, supporting it, supporting the room and bringing people here, you're good to have a show. And so our next show is March 26th. So that, and, and so I'm already elated about that. Uh, because the first show is a birthday show, I'm not sure how the second one will run in terms of, like, fervor. People really want to come to the first show and then birthday, all that stuff. This next show, the lineup that we already have in place is dope. Like, we have great comics who've already agreed to be on the show so i'm super happy about that and i think we have a couple wild cards that are gonna fall into place i'm uh, putting that out there right now a month ahead of time you guys heard it here first that we're gonna have at least one i guess quote unquote celebrity kind of drop in and at least one unexpected thing that the crowd it's gonna sound dumb doesn't expect (laughs) one thing that the crowd won't be alerted to that's just going to happen like oh okay cool i didn't know they were doing that so i'm putting it out there now i'm still trying to book one or two more acts and then we're going to do the flyers and i'll put that out there to the world and then we're going to really promote this now that we've had a, a first show i think that lends itself to a good second show because now we have a base to kind of tap back into people who've seen the first show enjoyed it are like yo when's the next show and it's like the next show is march 26th tell you people post it bring your wife bring your kids all that good stuff so i am very happy about how everything went down with that and again man i I felt blessed all night a lot of the people there i didn't know i never met of the like 100 people there i probably 30 people never talked to before didn't know who they were someone told them on my behalf and they came early paid the money like it's cool i just want to see a show I, i didn't know who they were they just did it. And I said, this is dope, man. Like, somehow the word got out there. And I'm not a big social media guy. You guys know I despise it generally. But the word got out and people support it. So that was really the day before my birthday. My actual birthday was uneventful. But the show was awesome. And so I'm really thankful and appreciative of all that. And what it did was it had to give me perspective on last year this is what birthdays do for you like you start feeling yourself getting older and older and you start trying to figure out where you are in terms of goals and in terms of where your life is you know all those we all do it oh man i'm not as long as i used to be you know we all do that kind of thing obviously for me i could just think back to literally this time last year like i moved in like the beginning ish middle of march last year so before my move, you guys know my living situation and what I was going through. And so at this point in my birthday last year, my only goal was 
I got to make sure this move goes through. Like we were still, at, we hadn't actually found a place yet, but I knew I was moving out of my place in like two weeks. <laughs> so I was like, dude, it's 13th. I got to be out by the 28th. I don't have a place to live, but I got to find one. And my money's not, well, actually my money was all right. My money was all right. Um, just didn't have a lot of options and didn't have a roommate situation lined up really. And so there was angst around the birthday last year. Like I couldn't even appreciate it. Like, oh, I'm turning 30. But then it was like, yeah, you're going to be a 30-year-old that's homeless. <laughs> it's kind of was on a horizon. And I think I found a place like a week later and then I had to get my boy Justin, who was my roommate now, who was still in Florida to get his paperwork together. And it was just a whole situation. But that's where I was last year. I was, you know two dudes in a one bedroom who I didn't know or particularly care for trying to figure out where I will be living three weeks from then. And then this show, a year later, I'm in a room of a hundred people laughing and supporting me, spending money, having a good time. Obviously I'm not like comfortable in life, but it's like it's it's a big jump. Like I wouldn't even been able to plan a show the year before for real. Because the anxiety would was it's just was too much. Not to like to do it the right way, I guess. So the growth, the life experiences, lessons learned, all that. Like even like I get my I get my credit score every month. I'm sure most of y'all do. Like I think a lot of credit card companies just do it now, just to either scare you into buying more credit cards or I don't know what they're doing. But um like my credit score is like a hundred and sixty points better at this point now than it was last year. Which is which is crazy. Right? Like it's now, obviously I let it I let it I let it drop because, you know, I wasn't taking care of my responsibilities. But I spent the better part of last year trying to move, one, getting acclimated to the new place, two. And then three, trying to get, you know, the credit situation locked in to the point where at this point I wasn't even eligible to have a credit card last year. And now this year, I just got two in the mail yesterday and they were like, hey, man, welcome back to the world of credit, baby. And I was like, get this garbage out of here, throwing that stuff away. No part of that. Um, But that's that's kind of the game. Like it's you really have to, at least in my opinion look at where you were and look at where you are now and where you're going and so you can all keep it in perspective because it's easy to kind of get saddened right like if someone said all right chris you're 31 now you have a house like now nah, i'm still renting you have a car yeah i own my car but it's an old car kids nah married nah so to a lot of people they'd be like man you are behind eight ball right you should you know, at least have some super steady relationship, at least have like, you know, a kid that, you know, baby mom, some kind of situation. And I guess maybe on their scale, on their timetable, that's probably accurate. Maybe if you look at the numbers, most people by their early 30s have at least one of these situations going on. But then when, if I told them what my last two years before now was, they'd be like, never mind. (laughs) Right? Like if you had a wife and kids before, then you would be endangering a number of people. At least now, like you're getting yourself to the position where you can actually sustain a family and another person and all that good stuff. So 
I don't feel like I'm behind the eight ball. I don't feel like I'm wasting out or missing out or anything. I feel like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And that's one of my favorite sayings or mantras is wherever you are at the moment is where you're supposed to be. If you're underperforming, maybe it takes you realizing you're underperforming to then perform better. If you're balling in your company or your business or your personal life, it's probably because you put the work in early and now you're reaping the rewards of that. Um, if you're in a very thankful and gratitude space, it's because you probably went through some stuff earlier. And now you can look, you can compare the two and say, man, I was in a dysfunctional relationship and I hated my job. And now I'm like working for myself, doing what my passions are. And then you find some kind of solace and some kind of reward in that. And so that's why you're more, you know, you have more gratitude towards the world. So I think that is a matter of perspective. I think it's an amazing thing to have. And I think that's, I guess, something that my life experiences have taught me that you got to keep perspective because if not, you're going to be caught up in a moment and, you know, be all sad and <laughs> probably not a useful person to be around in the world. No one, we don't need more dysfunctional, sad people walking around. TV does more than enough of that because that's what the news sells. That's, that's what we apparently want to see because they do what they do based on the marketplace, I guess. But, you know, just like, for example, we all, especially in our community, we all know the whole Jesse situation, man. Like, it's, I haven't, I don't post about stuff like this because I don't think it's wise, first and foremost. I think it's dumb to, like, because if you post your opinion and you're wrong, then you're an ass for doing it. Even if you're right, it's like, it's somebody going through something and then you're posting something about it. I, I don't know. I, I know it's funny. There's been some tremendous memes. Let's just be honest. I've seen at least seven memes that made me weak. And like three are from Lil Duval's page because he's a jerk. But like in the best way possible. I'm a fan. But so I appreciate, I guess, that some people do it. So, you know, I guess I'm guilty by association. But the idea of oh, someone's going through something or whatever let me post this funny thing so I get, I'm guessing, likes off of their misery on some level. I don't know. It's I can't get behind that fully. But I remember when I first heard it, it seemed a little suspicious. But, you know, it is what it is. Worst, obviously, there's been way worse stories that are true. So you can't be as suspicious so it's not true. Like, this is, you know, this is America now. Um I'm more, I don't, his career is, from what I can tell, probably done. I don't, I don't sympathize on that regard. I don't care about Empire the show. So I don't care how they're going to rewrite the character and all that stuff. I'm sure his family is going through it. I think that maybe the saddest part is maybe the motivation possibly behind all this stuff. If the motivation was just limelight and sympathy, I think that's, like, I feel bad that you've been touched by the bug of Hollywood, and that may be what the motivation was to do something like this, which is obviously criminal. So if that's the motivation, again, we don't know, so this is all conjecture, right? But if the motivation was the show is ending, I don't have that many prospects 
of future jobs or, you know, I feel like I have a moment to capitalize on victimization. I'm going to take that. If that's what the motivation was, then that's sad. Not like on a mental health issue, because I guess that is that as well. I think it's sad that you def- you're defined that much by clout and by what people say and think about you. I think he's a talented dude. I've listened to at least two, maybe three of the Empire albums. And most of the songs have him on it. Like, he is at least 60 to 70% of the album. Like, he's a big part of them. And I've listened to this. They're on my playlist. Um, I don't have CDs anymore because I'm not 92. But, like, they're my MP3 player. I'm like, dude, this guy's... I always imagined what his career would be post-Empire. Because I know, like, when you make music for the show, I think they have the rights to the music. So he's not really getting, like, the checks like he probably should be. Or even like the notoriety, it's like the Empire cast is what the album is kind of seen as, not like, you know, Jussie or Yaz or whatever. So I was actually looking forward to the show ending, whenever it was going to end, to see him just be out here in the music game, making his own music. He's obviously made tremendous connections. Like I know Timbaland does a lot of their beats and, you know, he's been in the Hollywood game now for a few years. I assumed, okay, he's going to be out here making music. Let's see... If he can do that, like, American Idol thing where you get known on one platform and you leave it and then you become a bigger star. I was looking forward to kind of seeing that part play out. And maybe a few years down the line after some redemption and some apology tours, maybe he'll get back to that point. But if it was, (laughs) I'm going to do this now because I don't know if I can do this, get this kind of fame or whatever later. I don't know. That's, I don't know. That's, That's kind of a sad situation. And then you got to couple that with the media reaction, which is maybe more detrimental societally. I don't know if I said that word properly, but we all know this is the culture now where something happens, something's accused, people say what they feel, and there's a rush to judgment, there's a rush to, I don't even think judgment is the right word, I think it's a rush to say what we think. I think people want to be the first to say something. The first, like, out of every natural disaster we have, let's say it's like a hurricane, like Hurricane Katrina, or the flood that hit Houston, or the hurricane that hit Florida almost at the same time that nobody talks about now. But there's always a comic or somebody who wants to be sensational who will say something like, you know, thank God this happened now. Like they'll they'll make a comment. That may seem to most people like a bit early. Like, hey, you making fun of this already? Man, people died and lost houses in that. And they'll make a comment to be the first one to make the comment. Or the person who shows the most amount of sympathy online. Oh, going to Houston one more time to help out these people. Really, you could just go to Houston. Like, it's the idea that I got to keep <clears throat> I keep posting about it and keep getting the likes. You keep up the good work with helping those people. Like, I feel... Like it's, um, that's a, I don't know, that's a, it's not a cancerous kind of feeling, but it's such a, a want to be seen and be heard and be recognized for doing sometimes the right thing, but sometimes the wrong thing. And anytime something happens, like we all have our preconceptions, we all have an idea of what we believe and, you know, and we usually try to reinforce that with things that happen. So, like I'm in the black community, so anything that happens, 
involving a cop and a black dude, we naturally assume the cop's in the wrong. Most of us. And that's just from conditioning, that's from preconceptions, whatever, whatever. I think, I don't know what the percentages are. I don't, I don't have those charts. I don't even know if it's possible to have those charts. But what I am saying is sometimes we feel a certain way and then the research comes out or the evidence comes out and doesn't support what we believe. And then instead of being like, all right, maybe I rush the judgment because I'm biased against the cops or against the black dude or whatever. It's just, well, you still don't know. It's like we just kind of double down on it. And so the issue isn't let's find out what happened. The issue is let's just get what I want out into the world and then just double down and reaffirm what that is, even in the face of that not being true. There are people this morning who still defend R. Kelly. Still. Still. And won't stop. Still buying concert tickets. Still bumping albums. Still doing everything. And they'll tell you up and down, I, I don't I don't think so. I think he's a dude, despite the nearly, what, two, almost three decades worth of info. We just kind of just kind of let it ride. And I don't know, man. I think on some level, I think the, this, this whole justice situation was a necessary evil. I've said this before, like in regular life, but never like on a podcast. And I usually don't get even involved in politics and that kind of stuff. And this isn't even really political. I think it's more us as people. I think when President Trump got elected, it reset the scale for where society was going, at least in America. Um, and I think long term, we're going to be all right for it. And in the moment, yeah, there's a lot of people who, not so much. But we were... I think as a country, we were progressing really fast, or at least we were, I think we were forcing progression fast. I don't know if we were actually progressing. I don't think people change completely as fast as was kind of being portrayed, right? Like if you grew up in, I'm going to say Alabama just because that's an easy stereotype. If you grew up in Alabama in the 60s, 70s, 80s, right, you probably didn't care for segregation, probably didn't care for us, whatever. And then, you know, 40 years later, Obama's running for president, right? And now he's in office. And if you grew up with 30, 40 years of hate, I don't think he got elected and then you just said, all right, cool, I like black people now, right? I don't think it happens that way. Now, maybe you had some genuine life experience where maybe you dated somebody from a different race, maybe you worked with someone, Maybe you had a mentor, maybe someone did you a solid, and then you you start softening. Because usually it's, all right, I don't like anyone from this group. And then you meet one and say, except for this one. And then you have more interactions and say, you know what? Maybe I was wrong about the group entirely. I don't think you have one good interaction with somebody and then just completely flip where you are. That's not what I believe. Now, you can tell me this research indicates something different. I'm open to hear it. I could be wrong about this, 100%. But I don't believe it happens instantaneously. I think we have our biases and our grudges and our preconceptions, and we keep those. And even when they mandated segregation, I don't think white people immediately started loving us. There are probably some who liked us 
pre-segregation but couldn't express it. And then when it happens, all right, cool, now I can be open about it. But I don't think it was 1963, I don't like black people, 65, all right, cool, man, you want to come date my daughter. That's not what I believe. Um, And I think we were pushing, obviously, there's been a huge gay agenda for probably like two decades now, definitely in the last 10 years, where it's just been more commercials, more TV, more movies. I think Broke That Mountain probably broke the mold. And that came out of what, 08 maybe? Somewhere around that time, 06? Something like that. Now I remember when that movie came out, it was like, can we even put this movie in theaters? Like, really? Two dudes? Like, because we've had, like, this has been gay guys in Hollywood for a long time. But to put two featured dudes in that role, and they got Oscar nominations and all that good stuff, I remember their theaters who wouldn't even carry the movie. You know, like, we're not going to put this in our theater. Who, who would watch this? And then 10 years later, you know, it's this. Multiple shows, multiple hosts, multiple platforms, even a show like Empire. Like, Jesse was an openly, openly gay character to the point where he became really the star of the show. And so within 10 years, it went from, can we even play this, to we got to find more people to fill these roles. And you had the transgender stuff, then because of Caitlyn Jenner and all that. Then I, I just think it was, it was happening really, really fast. Because it was mandated to happen fast. Like, if you don't accept this, then you are against the times. You're against humanity and all that. And so some people were probably coerced into following suit. All right, y'all follow along because I don't want to rock the boat. Even if they don't really feel that way for real. They just kind of went along with it. And I think, you know, you get the <laughs> the Trump effect drops in right in the middle. And it pushes everything. Back. It just halts things for a second. And what I think is going to be the result of this is people who maybe were on the fence or maybe were maybe in pushing a certain direction can actually sit back and assess where they are and how they feel for real. Um, and then come to a, a more realistic feeling that's not, I don't believe you can legislate morals. That's not, I don't never, I never believe that. Like if you say, I got to hire a woman to put her in the workplace to combat gender inequality. I don't believe that means I now like women more. It just means I'm going to fill the quota because you told me to. That's my, just enough as an example. That's what I believe. I don't think people have ever been changed because the law said you had to do it. I think people just change what they do. Now then over time, the more women that we have in the workplace, the more you start to see them and work with them, the more interactions you have. Yeah, then you start softening to them and then you realize this is a valuable contributor to our company. And then, yeah, I think it's, I think it's eventual effect is good. I think the short term is, is not what it's intended to be. So with this Jesse thing, to circle it all back around because now I'm like kind of rambling, I think we have been for the last probably three years. I don't know when the Me Too movie started, maybe two or three years ago. It's been essentially... Accusation, immediate public guilt, then let's play it out. That's kind of been the format. Um, it's almost like school shootings or like any kind of thing like that. School shooting. Are they anything other than white? If they are, then they're terrorist immigrant. If they're white, they're probably mental health. We keep moving. Right? It's kind of been that kind of formulated thing. And I think because so many people were so outspoken immediately when the Jesse thing happened that it and it was all like, of course, here we are again. 
and and so now is people have to come back to all right one just because jesse is i don't know i'm saying allegedly lying because i don't want to get sued even though i'm not big enough for that even though he's allegedly lying it doesn't mean everyone is lying every time they say something fine but what it will hopefully do is all right this is what he said happened let's see what the facts say and if the facts match it up then you got people riding with you we got on video you walking down the street getting mugged blah blah blah, blah. the people said they did it because of your, your orientation cool now we got the facts you claimed it we got it proved let's ride with it and then you can be the martyr you can be the champion for a cause um but i think the I think this would give a lot of a lot of pause for people with the they said it ergo it's true kind of feel we've had for the last couple of years, because um, even things like believe victims, believe women, all that like I think conceptually that's the right thing. I think we all feel that. Um, I also think you know believe what the evidence says when there's evidence. Sometimes you know if it's a thirty year old case. I don't know how you figure the evidence out. That's a situation we kind of got to figure out. But if it's something that's happening now, like, hey, I had a date yesterday or whatever, I like I like to believe the, the facts. I don't like rushing to judgment either way. I have my own preconceptions. And I have my own theories and all that stuff. But I've been proven wrong before, many times, actually. And there's a lot of times I've been proven right. And so the idea that this is what I feel, I'm just going to say it, I think this is going to make people pause a little bit and at least make people a little bit less socially outspoken. Even if, like within your house, you still feel the same way you would normally feel on social media. I think people will take a moment to at least let things play themselves out for a second and then start posting and then start preaching and doing all that kind of stuff, which I think long term will be good for society. Um, short term, it may be a weird transitional period. But who knows? This could just be a blip and maybe a new accusation comes up tomorrow. People rush to judgment again and nothing I'm saying ever plays itself out. Just my theory. Just putting it out there. We'll see if I'm right. As I said before, I've been wrong a number of times. But this podcast took a turn right in the middle, right? It went from happy birthday to society. But I haven't seen you guys in a little bit so or even heard from you guys in a little bit. So I wanted to kind of make this one a little bit more robust and touch on something social that I'm sure a couple of you were like, I wonder how Chris feels about this. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, please repost, listen, tell your people about it. I will see you guys next time. Deuces.